What's up, everyone? It's time for another episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Marshall plays host to undefeated James Madison tonight in front of a national television audience in Huntington. On today's episode, we'll talk about the Duke's rise to being a Sunbelt power, hit on some of the keys for the Thundering Herd if they want to win this game, and make our predictions for tonight's showdown. We're excited to continue our Midweek Mania series. We hope you'll enjoy it. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it. Second Midweek Mania matchup of the week, Kate, and this one features Marshall versus James Madison. It's going to air on ESPN at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, and the same crew that called the Georgia State Coastal game a couple weeks back, Matt Berry, Dan Mullen, and Georgia State alum Harry Lyles will be on the call for this game. Caden, let's talk some high-level storylines for this matchup. Let's start with James Madison. Should they be ranked? I think that's the big question mark on everyone's mind right now. JMU checked in at number 26 in this week's AP poll. They earned 70 votes. Here's a couple of things to think about. Air Force is currently ranked number 22 right now. They're 6-0, but Kane, their most impressive win, it came against Wyoming, a team that App State should have beaten, and honestly, it wouldn't be a good win if they had beaten Wyoming. Number 23, Tulane's at 5-1. Their best win's coming against Memphis this past week. You've got UCLA at number 25, sitting at 4-2. Many people, Caden, including some of the ESPN broadcasters over the last couple of weeks, have called the Sun Belt the best G5 conference this year. For me, when you start to look at James Madison having beaten Troy, having beaten South Alabama, it really begs the question why an undefeated JMU team is not ranked right now. Yeah, I know. I'm a little confused. I'm sure they're confused as well up at James Madison. And I think the Tulane team, look, they they earn their respect. They're the defending kind of group of five champions going to the Cotton Bowl and getting that win and then remaining undefeated this season. But the Air Force pick is definitely surprising to me, them being ranked ahead of James Madison, just given their style of offense. I'm not calling it gimmicky. I'm not calling their offense a gimmicky attack, but it's a triple option attack. It's not very exciting. It's methodical and it's worked against competition. That's just a lot lesser. And I think their style of play as a whole, if you just watch football, you, can, you, can't, you can't deny that what James Madison's doing both on offense and defense is just more impressive and more transferable. We saw that in their Power 5 win. We've seen that all throughout the season against a conference that you've mentioned, you've brought up in the past, has the best record as far as facing other conferences this season. And I think the main thing you can point out, I, th- I think, as far as this James Madison team deserving to be ranked is their defense. It's their ability to stop the run. They rank first in rush defense right now and tackles for loss per game. Tied for block punts right now, second in sacks, fourth in interceptions, sixth in block kicks. They're doing it all, whether it's on offense, defense, and special teams. I think they're by far the most complete group of five team right now when you just look at who's producing, who's putting up the numbers, who has the talent in the trenches that could probably stand toe-to-toe with some power five teams if the time came. So I think James Madison right now is just suffering from a lack of popularity. They're suffering from a lack of being bowl eligible and being able to play in a conference championship. They've been quietly playing some of the best football in the country now for about a year and a half. I think just because they've been handcuffed and they can't participate in postseason play, that's hindered them as well. And I think we've seen this in the past as well with teams like Louisiana in the past, teams like App State teams that I've been on in the past, kind of took a second to get some national notoriety as far as taking care of business in the beginning of the season, being an undefeated team and eventually getting ranked. And I think 
their kind of style and them not really caring about the outside noise has definitely helped. I'm sure if they had a bunch of players who in this NIL era had podcasts and they were out there saying, rank us, rank us, rank us. Maybe if they had some mullets like the Coastal Carolina team did in the past that allowed them to get some momentum nationally and help them be ranked and kind of get into that national spotlight, that would be helped. But this JMU team isn't sexy. They play in the trenches. They get down and dirty. And I think they are the team that did, should definitely be ranked in a team that has definitely deserved that. But unfortunately, they just haven't gotten there yet. Hopefully they can get that this week if they do get a win on a national stage in front of fans watching and evaluators watching that make those kind of decisions. Yeah, definitely fascinating, Caden. I think, again, I think you bring up a great point. How much is the Dukes' inability to play in a bowl game outright? Obviously, there is still a path to being in a bowl game if there's not enough eligible teams. How much is that affecting the voters' decision-making? I think that's TBD at this point. Caden, on the other side, you've got a Marshall defense that has been much worse than advertised this year. Uh, It's been a little bit under-talked about, but they lost their defensive coordinator from last year, Lance Guidry, in the offseason, initially goes to Tulane, then ends up at Miami. Caden, they replaced him with Jason Seymour, who had some success at Georgia Tech as the linebackers coach last year. But this defense right now, they're giving up 41 points per game over their last three games. This is a big deal, Caden, because when you look at Marshall, their formula relies on keeping teams down defensively. This offense right now for Marshall is not built to get into high-scoring affairs. Yeah, and the panic meter has to be up simply because the last three weeks have represented half of their season. That's half their sample size. That's half of what we see in their defense performance. Their most recent performances we've seen have all been subpar. They've all been bad, and I think this is a huge surprise, especially coming into this season and what this team did last year defensively. But you mentioned it. This team is very much reliant on defense being good as far as their formula of winning. This offense isn't supposed to be a high-flying attack that's throwing the ball across the yard. They're supposed to be a ground-and-pound attack, beating Ashina Ali, methodically getting seconds off the clock, getting chunk yardage, and eventually wearing on your team in the fourth quarter and pulling that out. And if your defense is giving up 40 points a game, you're not going to be able to do that. That has to change the style of your offense, and it changes the entire blueprint and chemistry as far as what this team does and how they're able to operate. The defense is its own problem, but I think an even bigger problem is how it's affecting their offense with a younger quarterback that's still getting into his own. You talked about it. Jason Seymour is the new defensive coordinator for this team, and I think now that half of their sample size is bad football where they've given up 40-plus points, you have to ask questions just given the amount of continuity they have on that side of the ball from a personnel standpoint. What's going wrong defensively with the coordinator calling the plays? You mentioned Lance Didgery is at Miami now. Well, breaking news to anyone who hasn't been watching college football, Miami has a pretty damn good defense this year. They're holding teams to 18 points a game. They're doing fantastic in the ACC up until recently when Drake may carve them up, which he carves everybody up. But I think you do have to start asking questions, maybe that coordinator spot, given that half of the season this defense hasn't performed well. And I think this defense has now put this whole team really in a crossroads between their struggles and the evolution of Cam Fancher. If this defense isn't going to get any better anytime soon, they're going to need Cam Fancher to not only keep improving, but be able to throw the ball enough and at a rate to where they can win them games. But if they can get back to their old selves, then we can ask a little bit less from him, a little bit less on his plate as far as the pass attempts and having to throw the ball a bunch and they can lean into their rushing attack like they want to. So very interested to see how they kind of come across this crossroads, especially given the James Madison team they're playing is absolutely the model of stopping the run, absolutely the model of being efficient on offense as of lately, and is going to push this team probably into some of those situations and moments they've had in the last three weeks. Yeah, you could argue that this James Madison offense that Marshall's about to face could be the best that they have faced this year. Caden, this is a huge game for Marshall. They they suffered their first loss in SBC play on Saturday to Georgia State. A, another one wouldn't be good considering the remaining schedule. You've still got 
Georgia Southern. You still got App on your schedule as well. JMU, Kanan, they just need to keep winning and hope the pressure forces the Sunbelt admins to cave and put them in that conference championship game. Either way, this game feels like a big matchup for both of these teams right now. Yeah, every win matters in the East, Noah. Obviously, James Madison's in a little bit different of a scenario, but I think it's kind of turned into James Madison's superpower being the position they're in. James Madison plays every game like it's the postseason. They're playing like it's tournament-style ball back in the FCS playoffs, and they're used to playing in those high-stake games where if you lose, you're going home. And I think if you watch them play specifically in the trenches with their physicality just on a weekly basis, it looks like they're playing a postseason style of ball. They're playing strictly for bragging rights. They're basically playing to pretty much tell all these teams in the East, hey, you know we beat you. Like No matter what happens at the end of the season when it comes to championship time, like we were last year, we should have been there. And I think they're playing for those bragging rights. And I think it's almost come into their, turned into their superpower to where they're playing their postseason. They don't have a postseason. They're not playing for an end game of a championship. So they're playing championship football every week. And I think for Marshall, it's interesting too, because I think with James Madison in the East, given their circumstances, it's actually very much flipped the narrative and the title race and kind of changed it to where it's different than what we see across all conferences. Obviously, James Madison can't participate in the conference championship. So any win against James Madison or loss against James Madison for any of these teams is not going to count head to head. So pretty much every team in the East can lose to James Madison. That might very well happen. And then it's going to come down to who beats who. And it's kind of a game of tag right now. So I think coming into this game as a Marshall, you've already lost to a Georgia State team. And now you have to pray that someone that you can beat head to head can beat Georgia State, and then you can go ahead. So we're going to see a very interesting game of tag, I think, in the East. Obviously, James Madison is going to do their thing and handle business, but every other team in the East, including Marshall now, is kind of trying to pick their one-on-one matchups, see who they have to beat, and hope Old Dominion doesn't keep running because they already have pushed this Marshall team to the limits. So I think we're looking forward to this team that we see in Marshall right now and all the teams in the East. Everyone kind of has a target on their back except for James Madison. They're all kind of lurking and hoping that they can win their head-to-head matchups and operate differently. And I think that kind of adds to the narrative that we've been talking about on this podcast that the East could be the most competitive division in all of college football just because James Madison has kind of changed the geometry of it. And every win kind of matters a little bit differently now because of the, the schematics of it and how James Madison can't participate in postseason play. Yeah, Caden, I don't know about you, but I'm already ready for next year to stop talking about this narrative. Just let the Dukes play and see how the, you know, the cards fall. But Caden, let's jump into the quarterback matchup here. This is a good one. Cam Fancher versus Jordan McLeod. You've got Fancher, who's still that young guy trying to put all the pieces together. You've got McLeod, a guy who a bit of a journeyman. He's finally found a home after multiple stops. We start with Cam Fancher. He's coming into his own, Caden. He's throwing it a lot more right now, 42 and a half throws per game over his last two games. He's got back-to-back 300-plus yard passing games for the first time in his career. Caden, he's still throwing too many interceptions, though, and he's not finding the end zone enough. What parts of his game do you still need to see continued growth? It's very interesting when we talk about these quarterbacks because I think on one side we can talk about the growth of Cam Fancher that we're seeing and then on the other side with Jordan McLeod we can just see the elevated level of comfort for him of just being a veteran quarterback who's been playing multiple years of college football but when it comes to Cam the issue is definitely the turnovers I think him fumbling the ball has definitely been an issue as well especially in the backfield with just loose ball security not having two hands on the ball it needs to go to the maybe Joe Burrow school of ball security having two hands on the ball in the pocket sometimes when he's mobile and then some of the interceptions you just know now with this guy you're going to get three or four throws a game that are going to be a little bit overthrown that are going to be a little bit riskier and that comes with the risk of the ball getting turned over but I think with Cam the last two weeks we've seen career highs in multiple areas for him pass attempts he had 51 against NC State that was a career high the second and third 
300 passing yard passing days we saw in the last two weeks and don't blink but he had 82 percent completion percentage which is also a career high against old dominion so we're seeing him grow in front of our eyes we're seeing this offense put more on his plate but unfortunately these are all due to the circumstances of not running the ball as well or the defense not playing as well which has resulted in two straight losses for this team so i think in order for him to keep growing He's going to have to limit the turnovers and get the ball in the end zone a little bit more, like you mentioned. But as a whole, you'd hope this offense can get some help in general from a better run game, which we haven't seen in the last couple of weeks, getting stifled by NC State, being a little bit more successful against Georgia State. And then just their defense having to give up so many points that their offense now in Camp Fancher is having to push the envelope and push the ball down the field and do some more things out of their element. So I think Cam has definitely fared well as a sophomore quarterback who's been had a little bit more thrown at him as far as his responsibilities for his offense. But if he gets rid of some of those turnovers, it can maybe punch the ball in the end zone. We saw him do it with his legs, particularly against NC State. Hopefully he can do that a little bit in this game. And maybe he can be good enough and just a young force to maybe elevate past some of the deficiencies we've seen, especially from this defense this season. Yeah, Caden, I, for one, am not expecting to see a team have a good running game against this James Madison defense. So that that might be challenging for Marshall in this matchup. Jordan McLeod, Caden, lost the starting job out of camp. There's been questions about his work ethic. Signetti, we've seen him publicly challenge him in the media multiple times, but he's responded. He's completing 64% of his passes, over 1,400 yards. He's thrown 14 touchdowns to just three interceptions. Caden, last year it was Centeo. This year it's McLeod. How does JMU continue to find these diamonds in the rough? They're finding him through excellent recruiting, and then whatever deficiencies in their game, they're definitely soothing with their offensive coordinator, their quarterback's coach, and their head coach, Kirk Signetti, just proving time and time again that they're amazing evaluators of quarterback talent and even better developers of quarterback talent. We talked about the growth of Cam Fancher. This guy, Jordan McLeod, is a little bit more experienced. His sophomore season, which is where Cam Fancher is now, was in 2020, and he ended that year with 400 yards in a four-touchdown game against UCF with no interceptions and a touchdown on the ground. So that was like kind of his best peak performance in a loss in his past. But I think when you look at him now, he's playing a lot better as far as just his efficiency and his comfort in this offense. He has a career high in passer rating, QBR. He's been super effective and comfortable in this offense. His accuracy could improve a little bit. I think that's the only kind of place where we could see him maybe grow a little bit as a passer and kind of elevate this offense even more. But right now he's kind of playing this Brock Purdy role that we're seeing with the San Francisco 49ers where, hey, we don't need you to do too much. We don't need you to be the Todd Centeno-esque Superman where you're leading our team in rushing yards some game. We're having you run guys over and really be the motor of this offense. But we need you to be the driver of this car. And I think we've seen that with the way he's been able to get the ball to Reggie Brown and Elijah Surratt, particularly in the last couple of weeks and really get them involved. Zach Horton's kind of become a security blanket for him and Kalen Black as well coming out of the backfield. So I really like the weapons he's surrounded with. I really like the way he's using those weapons. And I really like that he's playing his best brand of football right now that we've seen in his career. And if you're James Madison team and you can complement that with a great defense, you have to feel very optimistic going through the rest of the season. Caden, as you look at this matchup, I really feel like it's going to be decided in the trenches. For me, the question is, can JMU continue to get pressure on a guy like Cam Fancher? Is Marshall going to be able to run the football game? The O-line units matter because JMU, they lost Nick Kidwell two weeks ago. That's a huge loss. He was going to be a guy that was probably going to be an NFL draft pick. They've reshuffled some of the pieces up front. Meanwhile, that Marshall team, they've had five guys play all six games this year. Both teams rush for about 156 yards per game. How big is this offensive line play tonight, particularly in the run game? 
it's huge. And I think when you look at both of these offensive lines and the situations they've been handed, it's kind of interesting because you look at this Marshall team and they've had some kind of deficiencies in their offensive game lately. They've been asked to do a little bit more in the past game and abandon some of their run game and they haven't been as successful, but they've had more con- continuity on their side of the ball versus when you look at a James Madison team, they've had to flip some guys around, had some big injuries going down, yet they're playing their best offensive ball of the season. So I definitely think that speaks to James Mass and the program they have over there. But this matchup is so important, I think, in this game, particularly because of who they're facing as far as defensive line units. I mean, both of these teams have absolute dogs rushing the passer. If you're a guy that only follows the football around during games, which I can't blame you for doing, but if you want to watch the line of scrimmage and see some violence and see some good action, watch the trenches in this game. Both teams can pass rush great. If you look at the top 11 sack leaders in the conference, about six of them, seven of them are in this game from both respective teams. And that's a very top-heavy list. Out of the top six spots, five of them are in this game. This guy, Elijah Alston from Marshalls, are a little bit outside of there with three sacks this season. But these dudes have a lot of guys that can get after the quarterback in those passing downs, and they all benefit from each other. They have a kind of attack to where you can't block one of them or else the other one's going to thrive and go off of that. So I think these offensive lines are going to have a lot in their plate, plate respectively on both sides of the ball as far as protecting their quarterbacks. In the run game, we know what James Madison's about. They're going to get a bunch of tackles for loss. That's what they do this season. I think they almost have 300 yards of just knockback yardage from that rushing attack versus a Marshall team who's taken a significant step back, giving up 191 yards on the ground versus 88 last season. So I think from run stopping, you know what you're going to expect from James Madison. Don't quite know what you're getting from Marshall, but from both teams, protecting the quarterback is going to be, a, going to be at a premium with these rushers they have. Caden, I would opine to say you mentioned all the pass rushers that we have in this game, that there's five or six guys that are probably first or second team all-conference playing in this game alone. So that one's going to be fun. It certainly feels like the, you know, the type of thing that gives an opposing quarterback nightmares uh, as you head into this matchup. Caden, time to pick a couple of X-Factor players. I know you've got one for Marshall, so I'll let you go first. Yeah, we obviously know Cam Fancher and Rasheen Ali are pretty obvious and are going to be the biggest catalyst offensively, at least as far as winning this football game. So I'm going to go with another guy and I'm going with Daryl Simmons, who's kind of emerged as the favorite target of Cam Fancher in the last two games. He currently leads the team in yardage right now. and We really haven't seen a wide receiver one emerge for this team since the loss of Corey Gamage in the transfer portal this offseason. We know Cam had a lot of security in Cade Conley, the tight end who's been out the last two games. He'll probably be back in this game. But with him gone and not having kind of that underneath presence and him having to throw the ball more, you've seen him go to Simmons a lot more. And I think he's definitely answered the call with six catches in his last game, eight in the previous game against NC State, but still hasn't reached the end zone this year. So that's why I think he could be an X-factor and a breakout candidate as a guy who's built trust clearly with Cam a little bit more and probably a guy they're trying to get in the end zone as well. So I'm taking Daryl Simmons, the wide receiver for Marshall. He's my X-factor for the Thundering Herd. Caden, I couldn't pick just one for James Madison. I hope you can, uh, you know, let that go. But I picked two here. I took Taurus Jones and, and Jalen Walker. These are two guys that both returned from injuries versus Georgia Southern. Walker had five tackles. He had a couple of pass breakups. Maybe he's the answer to some of the issues that James Madison has had in the secondary. He he looks more like a safety out on the field. While Jones had two tackles in his return. Caden, these were two of our top three linebackers entering the year. This JMU defense has already been good this year. I think you get those guys back in the lineup, and this JMU defense probably gets even better uh, with some of the depth pieces that they now have behind them. Only thing we've got left, Caden, let's make some picks here. JMU minus four with an over-under at 52. I'm going to go ahead and give go first here, Caden, and I'm going to start by giving you a lot of credit, Caden. You had the guts to bet against James Madison last week, and it didn't work out that well for you, if we're being honest. But unlike you, I don't have the guts to do that. I'm taking JMU to win this game. I'm going to have them covering as well. 
Kane, the team we saw last week doesn't look like a team that's getting beaten this year. McLeod's going to continue to play at a high level in this game. I think Kalon Black and Tyson Lawton are both getting in the end zone again. So I think between these two teams, we're hitting the over. Yeah, Noah, thank you for applauding me for my heroics as far as picking James, picking against James Madison last week. I vocalized that this was one of the few opportunities that I would be able to pick against James Madison semi-confidently giving Georgia Southern's passing attack. Clearly, that did not work, work my way. You fool me one time, you can't fool me twice. I find it hard to believe that I'll pick against James Madison again this year. So give me James Madison to win this game and cover. Sorry to Steve Brown, one of our listeners who's a James Madison supporter who wants me to continue picking against them, but it probably won't happen this year ever again, especially warning the App State fans when that game comes around because I probably will not be picking against them in that one. But Marshall's just looking too undermanned defensively right now. They look like they're not clicking. They're coming off of two straight losses in this James Madison team just as, has trajectory in the opposite direction when you look at what they've got going on on both sides of the ball. So give me the Dukes to win. Give me the Dukes to cover. And I will take the over on points just given the offensive prowess we've seen from both teams lately. That's it for this episode. We really appreciate you joining us today. Like always, if you enjoyed this show, here's all we ask. Drop us a five-star rating before you go. Tell us what you love about the show or what we could be doing better. We hope everyone enjoys tonight's game. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs>